Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So we started in week one the introduction and jhana meditation. Now, week two is on the four foundations of mindfulness. Um, so this is this is sort of how to establish jhana. Um, we did a whole retreat on this back in October, which was very helpful in uh, deepening our understanding of this and our practice of this. Um, so I'm just gonna one thing did everybody read this this week's chapter does everyone check this out good good awesome um, so I'm gonna go through uh, John's words on this in the chapter, and then we'll talk about it. Um, so, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha teaches the four foundations of mindfulness. And and you know, really, how we can how we can think about this is just in the meditation instructions that we just did. Everything that four foundations of mindfulness is right there in that meditation instruction. Noticing the sensation of breathing in the body, that's the first foundation of mindfulness, being mindful of the breath in the body. Second foundation of mindfulness, being mindful of feeling arising from the sixth sense base. Third foundation, being mindful of thoughts arising from the sixth sense base. So again, noticing feelings and thoughts arising and passing. The fourth foundation of mindfulness is being mindful of the present quality of mind. So when we conclude our meditation, notice the quality of the mind. Um, so the, <clears throat> the four foundations of mindfulness is taught to bring immediate mindfulness of what's occurring during jhana meditation. Mindfulness is the quality of mind that supports developing lasting peace and happiness. Practicing mindfulness within the framework of the Four Noble Truths is straightforward, accessible, and easily understood and practiced. The first foundation of mindfulness, being mindful of the breath and the body, is the same mindfulness practiced in jhana meditation. Like I'd said earlier, this is the establishing of jhana. In jhana, you begin to quiet your mind by putting aside thoughts as thoughts arise and become mindful of your breathing, preferably the sensation of breathing through the nose. There's different objects of meditation, but here we use the sensation of breathing at the nose. You're using the mindfulness of your breath in the body to cease being distracted by thoughts and to begin developing concentration. This is the essence of mindfulness. Mind in a distracted state is focused outside of the physical body. This is where we start getting into 
the clinging aggregates, the five aggregates, perception, those things are reactions to um, thoughts, reactions to feelings, reactions to phenomena at the sixth sense base. You must understand where your mind is focused in order to free yourself of a mind distracted by clinging, craving, aversion, and discursive and compulsive thinking. Being mindful of what is occurring in relation to the Eightfold Path through holding in mind your breath in the body is the foundation of developing understanding of the Four Noble Truths. So in the Eightfold Path we have, and actually David's going to talk about this in a few weeks, um, the concentration factors of the Eightfold Path, right effort, right mindfulness, right meditation. Being mindful of your breath in your body interrupts outer focus, clinging, conditioned thinking, and begins to quiet your mind with directed inner mindfulness. This is noticing the arising and passing of feelings and thoughts. Not following them, not getting involved in them, not pushing them away, just coming back to the sensation of breathing in the body, letting feelings and thoughts arise and pass. This, is, this clues you into impermanence. The impermanence of thoughts and feelings. The second foundation of mindfulness, being mindful of feelings, becomes possible once your mind has quieted enough to be able to hold in mind your breath in your body for a few moments. That sensation of breathing. Once the tranquil mind state has been achieved and mindfulness of the breath is maintained, Notice any feelings, emotional or physical, that arise. If you become mindful of an emotion such as frustration, anger, fear, resentment, etc., simply recognize that a feeling has arisen, and while maintaining mindfulness of your breath, put aside any thoughts in reference to the feeling. That, that begins that clinging aggregate of perception. Um, you may want to begin, for an example, you might want to begin to blame yourself or others to justify the feeling. Something comes up, you go into the story. Put these thoughts aside. You may be drawn to analyze the feeling in some other way. Well, this, this feeling is because I uh, talked to so-and-so and they didn't agree with what I said, so... Um, and that came from their relationship to their parents or something like that. Who knows? <clears throat> you may ask yourself, where did the feeling come from? What circumstances took place to bring, a rise, to bring rise to this feeling? Put these thoughts aside. It is enough to recognize the feeling for what it is while maintaining mindfulness of your breath. With mindfulness of your breath, let go of the feeling. Let go of the judgment attached to the emotion. An emotion is a reaction to an event, judging an event in some way. The reaction caused by judgment further intensifies the feeling and further conditions your already conditioned mind. So this is that we get sucked out of noticing the sensation of breathing in the body, noticing the arising and passing way of feelings and thoughts, and into a story about what's happening. Um, as John continues, 
Notice that it is a reaction to an external event that was perceived through one or more of your six senses that initiated the feeling. It is at the point of contact with the external experience that a personal, self-referential attachment is made. This is very important. It is at the point of contact with the external experience that a personal, self-referential attachment is made. By developing mindfulness of this process, you will gain insight and understanding of the subtle but pervasive and continual establishment of a self that is prone to confusion and suffering. This is the ongoing process of eye-making, also known as conceit. Recognition of the initiation of eye-making develops the ability to bring continued eye-making to cessation. When I recognize that I've gotten involved in my thoughts, in my thinking, in my feelings, in my perception of those thoughts and feelings, come back to the sensation of breathing in the body. Mindfulness is a dispassionate, focused awareness on whatever is arising in the present moment without being distracted by any judgments or discriminating thoughts. Being mindful of feelings as feelings arise allows the feeling to dissipate and allows a deeper tranquility to develop. And guys, everyone here has experienced that. Um, and if you haven't, let's talk about it. Uh, if a physical sensation arises, such as a pain or discomfort in some area of your body, remain mindful of the sensation of breathing. Note the physical sensation and the immediate self-identification. Again, do not judge the physical sensation in any way. Do not wish that you are not having the experience of discomfort. Simply note the experience while maintaining mindfulness of your breathing. So, again, these, these kinds of things are, are distractions when we're trying to develop concentration. Whether they're physical sensations, emotional sensations. If we follow them, if we cling to them, if we self-identify with them, we're going to be drawn away from mindfulness of breathing in the body and going to be pulled towards trying to fix, solve, change, or get rid of whatever the sensation is. Which is really ignorance of impermanence. Sensations, thoughts, feelings, emotions are all impermanent. They're all arising and passing away on their own all day long. Being mindful of physical sensations without further judgment often will minimize the sensation. Which is interesting to, to note because that's it's pointing that a lot of the distraction is because you've attached to it, because you've moved towards the distraction, moved towards the sensation, moved towards the thought. And that when you when you recognize it that's a thought, that's a feeling, and come back to the sensation of breathing, it changes. The quality of it changes. It, it, it becomes less distracting. It, it just gets bigger when you attach to it. Yeah, exactly. It grows. It amplifies, right. You join with. Yeah, exactly. And when we join with it, now it takes over. 
Returning mindfulness to your breath, your breath, excuse me, interrupts your reactions to physical and emotional feelings or sensations. This is the second foundation of mindfulness. Being mindful that through the five physical senses in consciousness, feelings arise within. Being mindful of feelings, being ardent and aware of feelings as feelings arise, begins to decondition conditioned mind by interrupting the discursive and self-perpetuating judgment and analysis of feelings. And this is something that we have to notice in ourselves, is, is our habit to gotta know, gotta know, gotta know, gotta know when something comes up. What is it? Where did it come from? What do I do with it? How do I fix it, solve it, change it, get rid of it? That's, that's a habit. That's a habit of attention, as we talked about at the retreat. Simply and dispassionately be mindful of feelings as feelings arise while maintaining mindfulness of the breath. That's the second foundation of mindfulness. The third foundation of mindfulness is being mindful of your thinking process. With dispassionate mindfulness, notice how your thoughts evaluate impermanent qualities of mind. Like we were just saying, notice if your mind is constricted or spacious. Dispassionately notice your thoughts attached to the quality of your mind, often driven by feelings. So, oh, my mind was really calm, but then I started thinking about something and I got to get back to calm. You're gone. No problem. Come back to the sensation of breathing in your body. This begins to develop insight into how your thoughts have created confusion and suffering the habits of attention. With insight, you can begin to incline your mind towards release from clinging conditioned mind. Remember that jhana meditation is primarily used to develop unwavering concentration. This entire process of noting feelings and thoughts is done with dispassionate mindfulness. We're not keeping score. Feelings arise that take your attention. Notice that a feeling has your attention and return your mindfulness to your breathing. When you find that you are distracted by discriminating thoughts related to the changing quality of your mind, simply note the quality of your mind and return your mindfulness to your breath. This is easy, right guys? Mindfulness is holding in mind, being mindful that thoughts are flowing, develops your innate ability to control thoughts. Being mindful of thoughts is recognizing that thinking is taking place. Unless concentration is developed, thoughts tend to feed themselves from conditioned thought patterns. This is discursive thinking and is an aspect of clinging mind. Through mindful awareness, it becomes clear that thoughts are an ongoing judgment of feelings and mental states. Left unchecked, this can lead to ever-intensifying emotions that can result in depression and anxiety or other mental disease. Being mindful of thoughts without attachment, dispassionately remaining ardent and aware of thinking while maintaining mindfulness of the breath and the body will interrupt discursive thinking, allowing your mind to quiet and allowing your mind to remain at peace. As mindfulness and concentration develops, the afflictions caused by discursive thinking subside and a mind of equanimity, a non-reactive mind, is maintained.
This is concentration. The fourth foundation of mindfulness is being mindful of the present but impermanent quality of your mind. Is your present quality of mind inclined towards craving, clinging in the continuation of stress? Is your present quality of mind inclined towards developing wisdom and release from craving and clinging? Again, we're not judging, we're not keeping score here. It's just what it is. Recognize the quality of mind that's arisen. Recognize, acknowledge what's there. When it passes, recognize and acknowledge that it's passed. This is a broader type of mindfulness that notices the quality of your mind that has developed from defining yourself through self-referential experiences driven by feelings and conditioned thinking. Notice when your mind seeks further sensual stimulation. Notice when your mind is distracted by ill will. Notice when your mind is dull or restless or anxious or distracted by uncertainty. These are the hindrances. The hindrances will be discussed in week 10. Remember that this is a dispassionate noticing that develops an understanding of your clinging conditioned mind. When any of these qualities are noted, return your mindfulness to your breath. As concentration deepens and mindfulness broadens, notice the development of the qualities of right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, right meditation, serenity and equanimity. Again, David will discuss these concentration factors. That will be discussed in week four. The four foundation of mindfulness is also known as the four frames of reference. You are developing mindfulness and concentration in the context of the Four Noble Truths. What this means is that as you continue to develop concentration and mindfulness, you begin to integrate the Four Noble Truths more deeply into your life. You'll begin to understand stress and how the quality of your mind is either inclined towards continuing stress or developing release from craving, clinging, and the cessation of stress. Through a true practice of mindfulness within the framework of the Eightfold Path, you gain the ability to understand that the state of your mind, the mental quality of your mind, in the present moment is dependent on and caused by your previous mind states. This was karma becoming. At first, simply being mindful of whatever quality your mind is experiencing is enough. As mindfulness of breath, feeling, and thought develops, an understanding and awareness of the quality of mind develops. You gain the ability to put away greed and distress with reference to the world. This is called right mindfulness. With right mindfulness, you gain an understanding of mind as the vehicle of perception Right mindfulness is recognizing and abandoning craving and clinging arising from ignorance. Having put aside all afflictions, this is the mind of equanimity, a mind fully engaged in the phenomenal world without discriminating or discursive thinking, a mind completely free of reaction. As noted previously, right mindfulness is the seventh factor of the Eightfold Path and directly precedes the teaching on right meditation in order to emphasize the necessity to develop right mindfulness. Right mindfulness is the foundation for an authentic and effective meditation practice, all within the right understanding of the Four Noble Truths. Mindfulness truly is the foundation of all the teachings of the Buddha. 
By practicing mindfulness within the context of the Four Noble Truths, you can free yourself of the stress and suffering caused by mindlessness. Mindfulness within the context of the Four Noble Truths will develop an awakened mind, a mind of pure equanimity. And I believe it is in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha says, if this method is practiced correctly for seven days, seven weeks, seven months, seven years, full awakening is possible here and now. I think the Buddha even says, guaranteed. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, again, right mindfulness is reviewed in relation to the Eightfold Path of Week 6. <clears throat> it is included here so that you can begin to develop mindfulness together with your meditation practice. And again, these four foundations of mindfulness are how we establish jhana. The Buddha continued I'm sorry, the Buddha concluded his teachings on the four foundations of mindfulness with a promise. This is the Buddha's words. This is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the overcoming of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and distress, for the attainment of the right method, and for the realization of unbinding. In other words, these four frames of reference. Thus it was said. So that that was the chapter on four foundations of mindfulness from truth to happiness. Um, let's just go around and and talk about uh, your guys' submissions on on this chapter. What your reflections are on this chapter, and any insights that you have in your own practice um, with regard to four foundations of mindfulness. We'll start online. Jane, how are you? I'm well, thank you. <laughs> this brought back memories. Um, when I first uh, started talking to you about this, my mind was, well, I was out of my mind. I mean, I had all kinds of thoughts and obsessive thoughts, and I wanted to know where they came from and, you know, all this. And I remember you used that word impermanent quite a few times. And to be honest, I wasn't buying what you were selling because it had, everything had taken root in my head and there was nothing impermanent about it. And um, fast forward a couple years into, now I'm into my practice and now I fully understand what you mean by impermanent. I mean, all those thoughts and feelings, that's all they are, just thoughts and feelings and there's nothing permanent about it. And I have the skill set now that I can recognize them for what they are there and let them go. And I also have a deeper meaning to hold in mind really what they are, that they are just fabrications. And that's all they, that's all they are. So it's, it's a totally different mind. You know, I have skills. Yeah. I hate to think of the Dhamma as that, but really it is. It's, it's, a, it's a skill. It's a way to, to live in the world. So thank you for all your help in helping me get there. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, absolutely. So when you recognize the impermanence of your thoughts and feelings and reactions to those thoughts and feelings, you're able to, it changed your relationship to those things, correct? Exactly. Now, like I said, they just, I mean, they're really nothing. Yeah. I, 
I know they're going to come back, but then I'll recognize, oh, that's just that and let it go again. So then I don't want to say power, but I mean, they really have no hold on me. So. Thank you. What Dave. a difference. Absolutely. Thank you. Jeff, how are you? Well, thank you. I'm, uh, I think, still on the injured reserve list, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still in physical recovery mode, and that, that's been making it pretty rough the past couple of weeks to uh, focus on anything. But I was successful today at a couple of five-minute jhana sessions without falling asleep. So that I would count as real progress. Good. Beyond that, I'll uh, just let you guys continue and listen. Jeff, have you noticed in your practice, um, in when you are able to sit for longer, and even when you're able to sit for five minutes, that uh, that you can stay with the sensation of breathing in your body and return to it? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to change the camera here because i got to stand up for a minute or two. Um, I, I felt it was really successful when I was in the hospital because I did without painkillers for about a day and a half. And I could handle it without necessarily experiencing an emotional trauma or attachment to that pain. Uh, it wasn't, uh, the problem was, of course, you have to get up and move at some point in time. And uh, <laughs> that's a different story. Uh, the issue now is I've got a lot of little low-grade pains and lots of things shifting around. So I can't establish any equilibrium, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, it comes at me at random from different parts mm -hmm. of the body. And, but I'm gaining some stamina and strength now, so uh, I think I wanted to put up with that for a shorter while. But yeah, when in that initial period in the hospital, I was I was amazed actually, just how successful meditation was in handling that particular trauma. Good, excellent, excellent. Um, Nina. How you doing? Hi. Hi. Um, hi. <laughs> I am good. I think that um, definitely in my meditation, I have been able to quiet my mind since I started this quite a bit. Things seem to go by quicker, <laughs> and there is like a, a less focus of attention on what I'm thinking or how I'm thinking it, just that I'm thinking it and then it kind of dissipates. So um, I can see that progression in my practice. And then um, from the teaching, something that stuck out was when you when you read, do not wish that you are not having the experience or the discomfort or agitation. Yeah. That's almost like a like a tumbleweed or something, you know? So as soon as you start attaching and you start being like, why can't I clear that? And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep. Um, so sometimes I can catch that before it grows. And sometimes I have to like burn it and start all over again. Yeah, yeah. 
So when you catch that, describe the process of catching it with regard to four foundations of mindfulness. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it starts off as a feeling and then, um, it turns into a thought around that feeling. And then I'm almost like solving problems in my head. And then I'm almost like, Oh wow, I should really think about this another time. Start again. Right, right, right. So it's actually a really clear process um, that happens in your mind. I, it's organized, really. Yeah. It's straight. And have you noticed that that process has become more clear, even the process of getting distracted has become more clear yeah. since you started to develop Four Foundations of Mindfulness? Yeah, yeah. I would say like that, um, like catching it and being concentrated enough to even like move past it quickly without judgment, that's quickened. So then I feel like I can, get, I can really get back to the to the meaty part without getting stuck in that. Whereas like I feel like in the beginning I would add more judgment to it and be like, yeah, am I good at this or blah, 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 or I'll never, whatever, this is impossible. But um, I don't have feelings about it. It's just something that happens. That's excellent. Yeah, feels good. She's really describing wise restraint, how that goes from that knee-jerk catching it to a gentle, calm, wise restraint. Absolutely. Did you hear that, Nina? I did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, that like gentle piece is so important in this process. Mm -hmm. um, because we are usually our, our hardest critics. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that mm -hmm. a lot through this process. Be gentle with yourself, as John always reminds us. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Brian. Hey, man. Um, yeah, for, for me, at this point, I, I think in the beginning, I was, I was just amalgamating all of this stuff together and trying to do it all simultaneously. And a few months ago, I just pumped the brakes on that and went back to the breath, right? And, and really focused on concentration on the breath. And that, that has gotten to the point where that, that relax, return, relax, return, relax, return has become almost automated. So there's, there's really no, I mean, there's the occasional divesture from the the breath, but it, it's, it's just back almost immediately now. And now I'm at a point I can start layering on the, the frames of reference. Right. And there's now I can, I can, I've got the, the breath. It's almost like the mind has just taken has attached itself to the breath. Mm -hmm. And then I've got room to, to layer on the feeling and, and watch the thought stream and even get a sense for the, the state of mind, right? And, and when that all comes together, that feels really good. Like it's just this warm, fuzzy cocoon, right? And you're just, I'm just there. And there's no reaction. There's no wishing, wanting. So yeah, I, you know, that, that's taken a while to get there, but now I, I get it, I think. 
at least I get a little more than I did. Yeah, you're you're ago. establishing jhana. Yeah. Good. That's my my recent experience. Excellent. Thank you. Shay. Yes, got you. So um, first of all, I want to say this is such a, another, you know, really uh, um, profound um, uh, sutta to discuss, um, the Satipatthana Sutta with the Anapanasati Sutta, really the uh, most pure and direct um, path to realization um, or liberation or cessation or uh, whatever you want to say, Nibbana. And um, it's so nice to hear and see and uh, be a part of this wonderful little Sangha. I don't know how, many, how little it is but, or how big it is, but um, both you and John, with such clarity, are really helping so many people to understand, you know, um, so thank you. Um, from my perspective, it's really interesting, as I um, have been contemplating since I've uh, been participating in these discussions, um, especially as uh, John's really, you know, a deep uh, focus on the, the Eightfold Path. And, um, you know, I wish uh, I had known about the Eightfold Path when I first started this journey. But again, there are different paths. And um, I started as a yogi. And I was practicing Hatha Yoga. And um, I was a very, very kind of angry, restless, agitated, irritable human being uh, at that time. Um, and immediately, very quickly, through the yoga, uh, that sense of uh, tranquility, peace, calmness um, developed. And then I was, uh, you know, um, introduced to the Buddha Dharma a few years later. And um, and then I began to really think about mindfulness. I was teaching the mindfulness-based stress reduction program. So mindfulness was really a very deep part of that whole process. Um, so uh, when uh, I finally came to the Satipatthana Sutta and I read um, Bhikkhu Analyo's uh, book, which is a wonderful um, book uh, on this particular sutta, and um, it was really interesting to, for, for myself to summarize as, you know, the, the four establishments of mindfulness and now they're called the Rosen Foundations of uh, Mindfulness. And, um, you know, when we focus on the breath at first, the breath immediately brings us into the body. The breath immediately is in the present moment. So our awareness comes right directly into now and into the body. So the body is a kind of like perfect antenna in the sense to bring us to the present. So the first foundation for me was body and body because the breath was bringing me into the body and establishing that. And as you were talking about the sort of sensory perceptions and the way we uh, create um, the experience of our own reality and everything else of feelings and feelings, and then awareness of thoughts and thinking and mental fabrication and conceptualization, mind and mind. And then the final one, which I think is a more difficult one to 
for me to sort of understand from the, the perspective that you are saying, but dharmas in dharma, you know, um, sort of understanding perhaps, you know, how all of these things manifest and, how, and the teachings can help us and recognizing, you know, um, that. So those four things um, are basically, uh, you know, the Satipatthana Sutta and really, uh, and yoga really helped me um, in, in that way. Um, Sorry, I just lost the thread of my uh, thoughts. Uh, so, oh, so the perversity in a sense that I also realized was here we are taught directly by the Buddha. And as you said, you know, the seven days to awakening and stuff like that. And um, here was this great, you know, um, human being who, who, who um, discovered all so much and he teaches us these four establishments of mindfulness and then we have to let it all go we have to relinquish the whole thing and in that fight so you know it's like really interesting as we let go of the self it's letting go of all these things in many ways and so that was also a very fascinating process yoga helped me in that and the savasana pose at the end when you are very kind of you know tranquil and at peace you're breathing i've just focused on the breath myself dissolving into the earth and having these very kind of beautiful kind of experiences and i never understood why people the teachers would not prolong that into a meditation because it was just so clear that it was like a concentrated wonderful state that many people were experiencing so anyway that's how i i, I look at this uh, teaching and um, thank you thank you shay yeah and you know as you said that that as jhana deepens and we we move deeper into concentration deeper into meditative absorption these these things we let go of these things these things change as our concentration deepens. At, at that, you know, we're not, we're not, uh, you know, a, after the second jhana, there's no more directed thought and evaluation. So we're not watching thoughts like we would be when we were first starting. You know, the, the, the depth of meditative absorption has changed. So there is there is that um, progressive uh, absorption that happens. Thank you. And and beyond the jhanas and really the foundation of all the uh, the dharma is relinquishment, relinquishing, and it's letting go. It's always letting go, and that's the hardest thing, especially as you know, over and over again in these weeks. Um, letting go of the eye uh, arising is so hard because you have to be so um un you know having unwavering mindfulness which uh, um, is so it's not easy at all we all know how you know just to even focus for a few seconds and before a thought or something distracts one and you're taken away by sensation pain something else you know so really it's it's so powerful and yet and also interesting just to finish up 
mindfulness is in so many different lists, you know, the, eight, the, the, the Eightfold Path and First Factor of Awakening and the spiritual powers. And so it's really a very important, yeah. Thank you, Shane. John. Thanks for that. Um, it's an outstanding teaching. Um, your insight into the concept of Tata Sutra uh, is always so enlightening. It's interesting, it's read uh, in traveling through our discussion so far uh, from Jeff to Nina, uh, Dane to Brian to, to, to Shreya. Uh, you're, you're all talking, and a few of you mentioned it, about the importance of being gentle with ourselves. And jhana meditation is the jhana meditation when it's practiced as life meditation, it is presented. Um, Hello, everyone. <laughs> No more for you. When it's practiced as it's intended within the framework of the Eightfold Path, with the purpose of deepening concentration, is the essence of that gentleness. It's the, um, it, it's, it's the disengagement, Trayus has used the word relinquishment, it's the relinquishment of constantly chasing more of me, especially using meditation itself and not meditation for an experience. Which is which again is just a, another way of adding another experience to me, rather than just keeping concentration as the Buddha teaches. And it's also important to note that the rest of the uh, Satipatthana Sutra is just an explanation of that now that you've established these four foundations of mindfulness, this is how you integrate very significant themes of the Dhamma using that concentration, uh, that that's applying mindfulness appropriately. And Shreya has mentioned the Anapanasati Sutta that got me thinking about. Now, the Buddha taught the Anapanasati Sutta as an example of properly applied jhana meditation, of the selflessness, the gentle selflessness that's applied every time that I find that I'm caught up in my thoughts or chasing after an experience in meditation and simply come back to the sensation of breathing. That is the utter action of, of gentleness. I'm no longer I make I'm no longer trying to build myself into something else during meditation. And so it's both in that way you can see the the incredible profundity of what the Buddha taught. But as, as Matt mentioned, the utter simplicity of this this so what what could be simpler than being mindful of your breath in the body? Except mm -hmm. it it incorporates the whole thinking process. It allows us, and Nina described this beautifully, it allows us, allows us to recognize our own thought process and reel it in. When we start, again, even in Zion meditation, when we start tracing, chasing after experiences, you just take a breath, come back to the sensation of breathing. Thank you very much for listening. The ultimate in gentleness. Thank you, John. Uh, let's go around the room. Um, <coughs> Rob? Hi, John. Um, as I was uh, rushing to prepare for class uh, this afternoon, um, I was reminded of um, Lorna's words, which were. This is a really well-written book. You should read it carefully. Mm. 
um, I have a habit, and I've said this before, I have a habit of, of kind of rushing through text and, you know, with my highlighter and going for the juicy bits and, and trying to um, um, condense it down. And that's not what you do with this book. This book should be read very carefully um, and often because there is a lot in it. It seems repetitive, but actually there are 20 different ways every time to make a slightly different relationship between the parts. Um, so I, I'm, I'm saying this for myself, but also for those who haven't done this um, often yet. Um, it's, it is really important to read this slowly and carefully and let it sink in. Um, that's, that's all I have for today. Thank you, bro. <laughs> Kevin, Matt, good to see you. Good to see everybody. How are you, how are you doing, John? Hi, Kevin, good to see you. <laughs> um, yeah, really enriching discussion here from everybody. Um, one of the things that stood out in the passage was being mindful of the breath in the body and being mindful of the quality of mind interrupts outward focused craving and clinging and the outward focused uh, was very clear to me because feelings and thoughts arise in our mind they don't arise in the world we, we, we take the thoughts and react to the world and, and it really is happening the other way so I really appreciated that insight um, and, and as you said John what could be more simple than being mindful of your breath be mindful of the feelings, be mindful of thoughts, and then noticing the quality of your mind. And if you can find yourself doing that and trying to do that when you can and being gentle with yourself, you're got a couple of feet already in the stream. So thanks everyone. Brett. <clears throat> uh, good to be here. Good to hear. Uh, thanks for your teaching. Thanks, John. Um, Good to see everybody. Uh, yeah, it's uh, breath in your body, feeling the breath in your body. Um, so you don't, you know, it's so easy to get lost in, in it and uh, get lost in the experience when feelings come or, you know, come up and, you know, it is, I think it, it is that easy when you can see that it is blocking you and, and, uh, and, and the space that's gonna open up I was in a place this morning. Somebody dropped a pretty, pretty big racial slur, and uh, I didn't like it. And I, uh, I confronted this person, you know, after after the point, and I said, you know, this this doesn't happen. And uh, but it was it was for me escalating. I'm like, oh, here we go, here we go, you know. And I, you know, if you, you know, you get a, you know, you, you see your senses start to arise. Am I going to lose it? What am I going to say? You know, and then you get to go for it. And uh, but and I was thinking of you know, what kind of repercussions were going to come after this thing, and I said, you know, what what if you could just sit with the re the feelings of what these repercussions are going to be like, and 
then you can pretty much sit through anything that comes up and you realize that there's so much space that's going to be there. So, I guess you, gotta, you just gotta sit through, yeah, it's the basic confrontation, you know, it's like, uh, sit through what's gonna arise. So. Yeah. So when you found that, that you could stay in your body or stay with, with the mindfulness yeah. of your body through a sensation, or through a situation where there was <laughs> conflict, you found space by being able to stay here. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's not exactly, not exactly perfection, but you see it all there, and you see it happening, and then realizing that that's, that's the, you know, if I stay with this, then there's going to be, uh, the rest, you know, and then realizing it is that easy when this comes up, it's either just fabrication, and on and on and on. Cool. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Thanks, Matt. Laura? Thank you, Hi. Matt. <laughs> Hi, everyone online. Thank you. <laughs> For your comments. Um, I actually just had a, a question. I know, uh, Matt, you read the passage that John wrote, <clears throat> excuse me, that John wrote in here in this chapter. I know we were talking about, you know, how fabrications, like Brett just said, arise from, like, false perceptions of things, which arise through, like, interpreting feelings or things through our sixth sense base. But then you wrote, um, or you read, when John writes, with right mindfulness, you gain an understanding of mind as the vehicle of perception. I was just wondering if you could kind of clarify for you or John what exactly, maybe like um, Ron was saying, I just need to read it through several more times, but I was just wondering what does he mean there, like a vehicle of perception. John, do you want to take that? I think he walked away because oh. I don't see him on there. Um. He muted himself. Does that maybe mean just being a reference point for what's occurring? That's how I took it anyway. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's right, but it's not. So, you know, again, perception is coming from self-identification with a feeling or thought, with something coming through the sixth sense base. Mm -hmm. Now, now there's a, now I have a perception of it. So the mind as a vehicle for perception where are these things arising? In the mind. Thoughts are arising in the mind. Feelings are arising in the body and in the mind. Mm. As soon as I cling to them and go, oh, that's, that's me. That's mine. That's who I am. That's okay. what I believe. Now I'm... wrapped up in the self-referential thought loop. Mm -hmm. So the mind then is that vehicle of perception. Mm -hmm. In that things are things are arising and passing in the mind, things are arising and passing in the mind, then we through activity of mind we cling to it. Right. Then we cling to it as me. Right. Also, oh, right. Right. Fun. Mindfulness obviously is abandoning that, recognizing right. and abandoning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in this, in this, 
there's a couple other suttas that, that refer to four foundations of mindfulness. And, and even in the Anattalakana Sutta, there's an aspect of this but which, which refers to, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not what mm-hmm. I am. So when things arise, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. They pass away. Mm-hmm. Things arise, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. And they pass away. If we can stay with the sensation of breathing in the body, then we can actually directly experience the impermanence of phenomena arising and passing away. Right. That kind of goes along, if I may, with what Shay was saying and what we learned in the Bhagavabhanga Sutta, that as we continue this path, and the path of the Arahant is an inward path, as, as sort of Shay said, of relinquishment, of discarding, and when we're attaching or we're going outward, we're acquiring. We're, it's, mm. it's, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. It's an inward relinquishment, renunciation of the outward need to Establish. perceive and put I in things, fabricate and perceive. Mm-hmm. So that, and look, that's, yeah, look where that's happening. That, that's happening at that point of contact. And I like what you said, Kevin, because the theme I took out of this, and you heard it a couple times, is context. Yeah. You know, John always says within the context of dependent origination, and where does mindfulness live at the point of contact? Yeah. And that's where that interruption happens at that point with the sixth sense of space. Mm-hmm. So I always try to, you know, keep that thought of context in my mind uh, and I find it very helpful not to try to think of just mindfulness because there's wrong mindfulness mm-hmm. and right mindfulness with the fourth foundation you are keeping in mind the, the four noble truths you are keeping in mind what this practice is about it's not about a mindfulness that you may have practiced in the past. If you're not practicing right mindfulness, you cannot relinquish. So, thank you, Jamie. Matt, could I just say something? Sure, sure. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know what the name of the last person speaking David. is. So, um, you know, this this point about mindfulness and right or wrong mindfulness, you know, it's become such a, a popularized thing now um, uh, in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And uh, one of the key understandings, which I think is often missing in so many of uh, people who are teaching, is that it's mindfulness with clear comprehension. It's the two together. That, that awareness that one develops to enables one then to respond with clarity and understanding. So that clear comprehension, second part of this whole process, is rarely even mentioned by the majority of uh, people who listen. And yet, that is the ethical, moral, you know, this sort of using mindfulness to kill people is a not, you know, and that's being used by 
you know, governments and war and all these types of things. So that example is really kind of, you know, how um, wrong mindfulness can take root yes. and be established in very uh, in ways that can be harmful. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know, as John says, mindfulness is just what you're holding in mind. So there's lots of things that you could hold in mind and lots of things that people do hold in mind all day long that is injuring people, you know? And or it's or it's beneficial. Right. It it's not based on the four noble truths. So right. therefore it's not in the context of the Dhamma. Suffering cannot cease yeah. because it's not what the Buddha's taught. It could be all types of mindfulness that might be very helpful for society, but not necessarily for the cessation of suffering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think why speech is really that, that aspect which we can all relate to when we get angry or upset or react and suddenly we lash out and words come out you said something really hurtful and you may regret it, but the damage is done just right there and then yeah. in terms of, you know, sort of an, another part of the sila or ethical aspect yeah. uh, of the Eightfold Path. So, yeah, it all, all ties in so beautifully. That's what the Dharma is like a thread, you know, it just <laughs> weaves in and out to create the fabric of the of existence. Thank you. All right, my friends, as, as we do, we will finish up our session with uh, Metta. And these are the Buddha's words from the Karaniya Metta Sutta, as restored by John. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later approve. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. <coughs> radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. 
If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.